Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I have the pleasure of talking about the impact of a missionary. But before we do, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for, for who you are. You are unchanging. You're the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Lord, and you are a loving God who loves us in spite of who we are and in spite of what we do, and that you want us to be drawn to you. You want mankind to be drawn to you. Lord, this morning I pray that you would allow the words of my mouth to be your words, that you would allow those who are listening, whether here or online, to receive what you want them to hear through this message this morning, Lord, as we talk through what your mission is, how that aligns with us, and how we ought to come alongside you to be on mission and to be missionaries. Heavenly Father, we pray this in your Son's precious name. Amen. I will never forget my first mission trip. So I was an 18-year-old in college in Kansas, a private Christian college, and my home church was in Colorado. Uh, I grew up here. I lived here. And up to this point in my life as an 18-year-old, all of it had been experienced here in the United States. And as such, being in the United States, all of my experiences are influenced by that. And by that I mean, and most of you can probably associate with that if many of you have been raised your entire life here, all you know is what you've been taught here, what you've experienced in the United States. And some of that looks like God's providence, God's provision, God's care, God's love, God's abundance, you know, everything that we have, for me, especially as an 18-year-old, I didn't ever really have a time in my life where I had a real want. I have 10 brothers and sisters, so there are times where I wanted things, but I didn't have a serious need. But it certainly was something that um, kind of shaped who I was, but it wasn't anything like what I might experience later in mission trips. But in this mission trip, I was a part of the church in Colorado, in Aurora, Colorado, and this was in the mid-90s where mission trips, the, the whole thought process of missions and the idea of missions, it's not new. As a matter of fact, missions, we see it all throughout Scripture, beginning in Genesis, in one form or another, right? So this is no new concept, but in the mid-90s, it seemed like many churches kind of glommed onto this idea or got behind this, this mission or this movement to... To go to areas in the world, specifically what would be called the 1040 window, to be missionaries to those who are unreached people groups, who have not heard about Jesus. And the 1040 window essentially is, it speaks of latitudinal lines. You have the 10 degree latitude, the 40 degree latitude, and the majority of the people in the world who don't know Jesus are contained within those latitudinal lines. So our church was no exception. They got behind this mission to send missionaries to these areas. And in preparation for that, or at least in, in the mindset and the thought process of it, they, 
they understood that that looked like maybe sending short-term mission trips to locations to kind of prep for that, to get us our, get our feet wet and allow us to have the opportunity to experience missions maybe for a short period of time and see if it's something that would make sense to then extend over time, maybe a long-term mission. So the people group and the area and the location that we were sent to was Damascus, Syria. And the we were four of us. There was myself, Art, a gentleman, six, eight, six, seven, maybe six, something really big. Um, the youth pastor at the time, Pastor Mike, not my youth pastor, but he was a youth pastor at the church, and my mom. So again, imagine, here we are, four Americans with only American experiences, only what we know again, being sent to a foreign location, a, a location that is uncomfortable and unfamiliar to us. And on top of that, I'm an 18-year-old, so I know everything. And, and I'm going to let people know that when I'm in Damascus, in one form or another. The, the actual mission that we were sent on didn't really allow for that, for me to tell everybody how much I knew, thankfully. Um, that mission trip was what would be termed as a prayer walk. Uh, anybody familiar with what a prayer walk is? A couple people, a few people. It's super elaborate, and I'm going to spend the next 63 minutes talking about it. No, I'm kidding. It's walking while praying. And, and there is intent and there is heart, and there should be intent and heart, when on this prayer walk where you're going into an area where maybe the people don't know Jesus, or maybe it just needs some of Jesus' extra love, and you just walk around and you pray to see that come to fruition. And so that was what our mission was in Damascus, Syria, to walk around praying, praying through the streets, praying through the communities, praying through the mosques. In every situation that we were, we were to just pray. So all four of us uprooted from the United States, sent over to Damascus, Syria. In that, we find ourselves in an unfamiliar language to start with. We had a liaison or a gentleman who we would communicate with if we needed to get transportation from one place to another so he could communicate to the, the people with the language there. And he would make sure that our hotel bill was taken care of, especially when the youth pastor and I raided the mini bar. I didn't know any better. I thought it was free. So, but anytime we had situations where the language barrier needed to be overcome, we weren't the ones to take care of it. We had somebody who was able to do that for us, thankfully. But at that time, the unfamiliar language was super challenging for me and stretching for me, and it impacted me. Not only was the language unfamiliar, there were unfamiliar people. So I'm 18 years old. It's very possible in my 18 long years that my path might have crossed with some Damascene, maybe in Aurora or in college in Kansas. I didn't know about it if it happened, and I definitely didn't have any friends that communicated to me that they were from Damascus, so I had no real exposure to this culture that I was going into, not even in the most remote sense, so much so that I'm now in, immersed in this culture, fully enveloped by Damascenes. Not only I, but the four of us, so we're surrounded by an unfamiliar people, and that impacted me. We had unfamiliar living conditions. They weren't, they weren't as extreme as some in some uh, mission circumstances, but they were not what I was used to, not what I was comfortable with. 
And so I had the, un- un- the unfamiliar living conditions that also impacted me. Unfamiliar sights and sounds. How many of you have been outside of the United States where you're in a country that the traffic, when you're in the traffic, they're doing everything we're told not to do when we go to driver's ed or get our license? Anybody been in that? That's chaotic. That's crazy. And it's frightening, um, quite honestly. Um, I think I probably did more prayer when walking through the roads than I did for the rest of the prayer walk. But it's, it's a reality where... For them, that's what they know, and it worked. Quite honestly, it worked pretty well, but to me, it was unfamiliar, and even that impacted me. Uh, unfamiliar food, um, being sent to a, a different location, the unfamiliar food. For us as human beings, when we are uncomfortable, when we are depressed, when we're sad and angry, what's one of the things we go to? The freezer for some ice cream or some cake or cookies, you know, those creature comfort foods. Well, when you go to a different location, you, you don't really have that. And quite honestly, in our training, we were told, do not touch anything that has been washed with water because you can guarantee you'll spend the rest of your trip in the bathroom. So, that, so you're starting on that precept. and then, But you can eat the stuff that they cook. Well, nothing they cooked looked like anything my mom cooked or what the dorm cooked. Thankfully, it didn't look anything like what the dorm cooked. But it was unfamiliar food, and that impacted me. However, as we were going about our prayer walks, the youth pastor and I, we weren't um, very good at uh, listening to wise counsel. And at the end of the day, we would reward ourselves by walking the streets and checking out the street vendors. And, but we would seek out s- certain particular street vendors who had this gigantic spit with a large hunk of meat on it. And we would just have to go up and pay a few coins to have some of that meat shaved off, put into a pita, and we would eat what was called a shawarma. And that was our reward for the prayer walk that we would do that day. And man, that was comforting. It wasn't familiar, but it was comforting, and it was, it was super delicious. But Amy had the wisdom to remind me that even that impacted me, probably negatively, later in the evening. So these are all the uncomfortable scenarios and the unfamiliar scenarios that we're faced with on my first mission trip that I'm trying to be God's ambassador to this country. And as we come back to the United States, we also, when, when you do short-term missions trips, there's, there's various forms of how you would do what would be maybe called an exit interview or just kind of a decompressing of what happened, um, hopefully to talk through what did God show you? What did God teach you? Um, what, what kind of impact do you think was made? What impact was made on you? And so you go through this, um, this list of questions. Sometimes it's, again, formal, sometimes informal. And ours was more of a formal one where I sat down with the pastor, and he asked me all of those questions. And I shared with him, hey, I, I, I went to make an impact. I, I, quite honestly, I hoped that I would see a miraculous event in which a whole community would come out screaming that they had accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior because of the prayers that this tool that God is using, this irreplaceable tool, came from America to pray that they would receive Christ. But that didn't happen. And because that didn't happen, and because I was just thrust into all of those other unfamiliar situations, I told that pastor at the time, I will never do mission work again. 
Not, not once. And, and I, I, had, I had no qualms even thinking twice about it. And so, for me, having come back from this trip, I have kind of started to construct in my mind what a missionary consists of and what mission work looks like. And, and I, I wanted nothing to do with it. Actually, if you hang out in a group of Christians for too long, they might, you might start getting to talk around the, the topic of what a missionary is and what a missionary looks like. And, and you'll soon conclude that there's not one single definition that will be agreed upon by a group of believers as to what a missionary looks like. Some of them would say that a missionary can be anybody wherever they are. Others might tell you that a missionary is somebody who has crossed cultural boundaries and geographical boundaries to reach people for Christ. That would be someone like my father-in-law who spent nine years in Africa bringing the gospel to the people in that location. So that would be what some might say is a missionary, which is definitely a missionary. Others might just say missionaries are sent ones. I think that as God has molded my heart and, and, and brought me through his word, that I would say yes to all three of those. I believe that all of those encompass what a missionary would be. And in, an, in a, a feeble attempt maybe to try to condense what a missionary might be, they, a working definition for me is that a missionary is anyone on a mission sent by God. So if we operate on... That being what a missionary might be, that we, anybody sent on a mission by God, I think it's fair that when we do that, we understand, if we're going to do that, what God's mission is. And actually, thankfully, we find that that is displayed all throughout the Bible. God is on a mission to gather people from every nation who will enjoy his grace and extend his glory. They will enjoy his grace and not only extend his glory, but they are going to do it lovingly. The foundation for this mission is laid out in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3, where we see God talking to Abram, soon to become Abraham, about making him into a great nation. In that, we read, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Sounds like he might be going to an unfamiliar place. And go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Let me overemphasize here. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the foundation that God's laying on what his mission and what his mission heart is for the nations. This continues to be God's mission as Abraham is, as you read through the Old Testament. You will find that Abraham is blessed tremendously with many descendants all throughout the Old Testament. The problem is it, it tends to kind of stay there. If you were to just stay in the Old Testament, you would see that this blessing that God is promising and making a covenant with Abram to be Abraham that it gets stuck with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But a beautiful thing is, is that it doesn't stop there, actually. There's more to the Bible, and we know that we have the New Testament. As a matter of fact, this blessing continues. If you, in the very first book of the New Testament, we read in 
Matthew chapter 1, and I don't know if many of you have read Matthew chapter 1, but it's, all, it's practically an entire page where it lists out the genealogy, this blessing that we read about, of Abraham, Abraham all the way down. And it begins with Abraham, who is the father of Isaac, and Isaac is the father of Jacob, and Jacob is the father of, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. And we could stop there where it would have in the Old Testament, but we don't. As a matter of fact, we're going to continue to verse 16 where we read, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So every one of these descendants that were listed, from Abraham to the Messiah, a stone is laid on that foundation that we saw in Genesis and continues to be laid new stone by new stone by new stone until a new temple is built. And that temple is Jesus Christ, Christ the Messiah, the one who died that we might live, the Savior of the world. And this is God's mission coming to fruition. Now, when you read through the rest of Matthew or any of the Gospels for that matter, you will see that it lays out the life of Christ. It talks, it walks us through the mission that God sent his son to this earth for. And along that path, he picks up 12 disciples who he is going to teach and raise up to potentially continue the blessing that we see about in Genesis. So he picks up these 12 disciples. Then Jesus is crucified, put in the grave, risen three days later, and he returns to talk to these disciples again. He returns to tell them, all right, all right, gents, I've been with you for three years. I've died. I've come back. And I've taught you some things up to this point. But there's something very important that I have to tell you. And it's in chapter 28 of that same book, verses 18 to 20, where he's speaking to his disciples after he's been risen from the grave. And it's the same for us. It's not just to the disciples. That is now given to us where... We are, as his sons and daughters, through that same saving grace of Christ, that death that was on the cross, bought by his blood, our salvation, we are given the commission to carry out the covenant God made with Abraham to extend the blessing to all the nations. In Matthew 28, we read, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A neat thing is that throughout the entire New Testament, we find clear commands for us, again, as God's sons and daughters, to engage in His mission, to come alongside Him in that mission, to partner with Him, to be missionaries, sent on a mission by God. Some of the clear statements of God's mission are found in the Gospels and Acts. The Great Commission that I just read to you from Matthew chapter 28, you will also find that in the book of Mark chapter 16. You'll find it as well in Luke 24 and John 20. And you'll find a variation of it in Acts 1. And this one actually is a personal favorite of mine. It's, it's a personal favorite because I believe that it covers the entirety of what missions could look like. In Acts 1.8, we're told, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as we, as we discuss Acts 1-8 a little bit, as I try to unwrap it, I think it's important to um, maybe take a step back a few weeks to where Pastor Don shared with us um, about the impact of a shared vision. And he came to us and he told us what that looks like, what God's mission looks like for us as a church, not just us as Mountain View, but as a, as a church at large, but especially us as Mountain View. And in that, he gave a pretty simple equation here, as he called it, and that is the great commandment plus the great commission. And in that, you have the great commandment is love God, love others. The great commission is making disciples. We're simplifying it to love God, love others, make disciples. Now, I don't want to just stop it there. That's the, the church's vision. And as the missions pastor, I'm going to tag my little bit on to that. And that little bit is just the Acts 1.8. The Acts 1.8 is where it expounds on that as to what that could look like. And what that could look like is when Jesus is telling disciples that they are to tell people everywhere that the name of Jesus will be shared throughout their neighboring communities to the places that they are familiar with, the Judea and Samaria for them. And then from there, that they're also to share that same saving knowledge to the ends of the earth. Well, what is our equivalent to Jerusalem through Judea and Samaria? That would be where we live. So if you live in Strasbourg, your Jerusalem is Strasbourg. If you live in Judea and Samaria, a surrounding area, whether Bennett, anywhere in Colorado, that's where you live, and that's where you will preach the gospel. That's where you will bring the good news. So whether it be Strasburg, Bennett, Byers, Colorado, it's in these areas that every one of us should be sharing the gospel or the good news about Jesus. This is the mission that God has us on here and now. It just happens to be that it's with people we are similar to, that they're people who are like us. So it's a little easier to stomach. It's easier to kind of do. We're not stretched so much, maybe. Um, you know, as God, is, as God has come into our lives, we have this firsthand knowledge of how we're being transformed. We're seeing the things that, that were keeping us separated from Him before and changing, and, and we're becoming new creation with Him. And when we see that, there should be an excitement. Such an excitement that we want to share it, at the very least, right here where we live, where we're sharing it with some of the people that have the same language, same culture, same economic status, and education levels. Another way that we see where local missions work is happening is in the same message that Pastor Don shared three weeks ago. He talked about how we, as Mountain View Fellowship, would like to see a church planted in Lyman. That God has put that vision and that, that holy disposition on Don's heart and the heart of us, hopefully, that we want to see people come to know Jesus in Lyman. And not just Lyman, it doesn't stop there. Pastor Don talked about multiple locations throughout rural Colorado where we desire to see God's truth being proclaimed. And that not only would it stop with God's truth being proclaimed, but we have the, that other part of our mission and mandate where we want to see baptized people baptizing people. And that's where you get to see some of that fruition of 
more and more of mankind throughout all nations coming to know God. So in those rural areas, there are those people that are going to do mission there, and they're, they're the, their families and those children of God are going to be proclaiming the name of Jesus in their Judea and Samaria. Doing missional work is really what we're about here at MVF. That's where I was saying, I want to step back to what Don talked about three weeks ago because it's really interrelated. What our passion is, what our heart here at MVF is, that we see people to know Jesus. We want to see people come to know Jesus. And we do that by fostering relationships. So on my mission trip to Damascus, it was a prayer walk. It didn't really leave much margin, it, which is a very important mission trip. Don't, I don't want to send the message that the prayer walk is a wrong idea. Prayer walks are fantastic ideas. It just didn't have the fostering relationship aspect embedded in it. And so, again, we were four Americans walking through the streets of Damascus, and man, were we noticed. <laughs> we were noticed so easily. And, and it was so strange because all we were doing was just kind of walking through their lives, and they didn't know any better. So for us at Mountain View Fellowship, part of that impact of missions is fostering the relationships. As we point people to Jesus, we want to be fostering those relationships. And that, that's done in three ways. We do it up daily, in, weekly, and out monthly. The out monthly is where you try to meet with somebody who doesn't know Christ, a friend of yours who doesn't know Christ at least once a month. And again, as Don said, that's just a launching pad. That's, that's a reference point. We certainly desire that it could be more regular than that because Again, we want you fostering those relationships to where they see Christ in us, right? But as far as the impact of missions, the up and the out is where we kind of see the missional aspect emphasized in the map and the mandates. And by that, that's where we find ourselves aligning with God on a regular basis. Our hearts, when we do align with God on a regular basis, our hearts are going to be broken for those who don't know Him yet, whether here locally or abroad, and the out relationship is where our broken hearts that are aligning with God's are expressed for the lost through prayer, which is the up portion, that the Holy Spirit would reveal God to them. That's our out relationship. Again, this is something that all of us are called to. Anybody in this room that recognizes that Christ is Lord and calls Christ King, that's something that we're called to do. How about reaching out to someone who, doesn't, who you don't quite know? We used to do this through a ministry called Open Door Fellowship here at Mountain View Fellowship. And as well, we were working toward having a prison ministry. All of this slightly before uh, COVID shut things down. So um, for those of you who don't know, Open Door Fellowship is a ministry that we partnered with where we would take a team of people down the first Sunday of every month to prepare a meal for the homeless in Denver. Um, the prison ministry, we were trying to uh, make connections with the prison in Lyman to just start having people come and again, share the gospel to those who were in prison. So these are some opportunities where in, in Acts 1-8, you have the Jerusalem and Judea where we're comfortable around those people we know extending out to, okay, maybe this is an area where we're not so comfortable. Maybe um, some of the, that we don't know but either of these are just examples of paraministries, and maybe you were involved in a paraministry where that's similar to you, where you're engaging with people that you don't really fully know. But in any and all of those cases, it's, it's going to be challenging 
to intentionally step outside of our comfort zone and try to figure out how to share the gospel with someone who's very different than us. But, but an important one, and an important step again as our heart's broken for the lost. It doesn't necessarily involve travel, but it will always involve you being stretched. It's going to always involve you learning, hopefully involve you learning, and that, and that comes through being able to listen. And that was one, again, one attribute I was not good at as an 18-year-old going over to Damascus. I wasn't good at listening. I sure had an opinion, and I wanted people to know it. Um, and it's going to involve you wrestling with how the gospel speaks differently to different people. Also, and maybe especially, coming face-to-face with some of our own assumptions and prejudices. And this is a critical one because we need, when we go to other areas, it would be naive to say that we don't have assumptions or prejudices. And I clearly was one of those who, who had that when going on my first mission trip. And I believe that was what played part in my negative impact on that first mission trip. The ends of the earth that Acts 1-8 talks about is, on the other hand, it's referring to those who have been called to reach the lost in a different country uh, or the ends of the earth. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory in that regard, but maybe it's even bringing the gospel to an unreached people group uh, or a group of people who have not yet heard the gospel. But in any of these cases, um, it involves moving your family or if you're single, moving yourself to another country and launching into a language and a culture that you're not familiar with, one that you are unfamiliar with. At Mountain View Fellowship, we have yet to send somebody out to go to the ends of the earth directly. There's been, there hasn't been anybody who calls Mountain View home that has been sent out on mission. However, we do have current families that we support, multiple families that we support that are in overseas mission. And some of them do have direct ties to MVF. They didn't they didn't attend here, but they have family and they have some ties here. Um, they have answered that call to go to that, that unfamiliar location with their family and experience the foreign culture, the foreign language, and allow God to work in them and, and to really work alongside God and His mission, really, to see the gospel be proclaimed to that people group. And not only that with the ones that we support, and, and not just the ones we support, because there's multiple missionaries, but through the missionaries that we support, we're, we're getting to see that gospel proclaimed in Asia, South America, and Europe. Um, so as I've kind of rambled through this, talking through God's mission, like what the impact of a missionary looks like, well, we need to know what God's mission is if we're going to be a part of that. Kind of a summation, God's mission is to draw people from every nation to know him. God wants mankind to be restored to him here in the United States and abroad. So if, if that is our mission, if we want to align with God on that mission, we get to come alongside him and partner with him in that. What does that look like for each one of us? Well, the, the big picture is going to share the gospel overseas. Not everybody will receive the call or God's prodding to say, hey, I want your heart to be broken for those that live in Myanmar. Or I want your heart to be broken for those who haven't been reached yet in Asia. Or I want it to be broken for those who haven't been reached yet in Europe. Or wherever the location is. But if it's that global mission and God is starting to already plant that seed, 
That's fantastic. And, and if that's you, I'd love to, I'd love to meet with you. Um, mostly to, to be able to partner in that because it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing to see where God continues to work all throughout His world. And so if, if, if it's you, again, come meet with me. For some of you, um, that might look like taking a short-term mission trip. Sadly, we haven't been able to do that recently um, with COVID restrictions and things are starting to loosen up and, and doors are starting to open where some mission work is starting to take place again. But for us, we haven't had the, the full open door thrown at us to be able to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to start some missions again. But short-term mission trips, it's, it, it's, it can be a tricky one. And we want to make sure that when we do do those, we, we have the time invested and we're with partnerships that we've already created to where where God's message continues to be proclaimed and it's not about what we can provide for them. So if God has put it on your heart to do a short-term mission trip, again, please feel free to contact me and I'd love to try to see about making that happen. But for every one of us in the room here, um, specifically, again, those who call Christ Lord, we should be on mission at the very least in the community around us. That means committing to your relationship, your up relationship every day, that you're spending time talking and listening to God. It means that you're being in God's word regularly. Some of you might already have a reading plan. Some of you might already have the discipline of where you're spending time with God in the word. And if you are, that's fantastic. If there's some of you that don't quite know what that looks like, again, a launching pad that we have here is the ministry where you can text the word READ to 720-999-9075 and you'll receive a scripture passage, a, a section of scripture, a chapter every morning around 7.30 where it will begin to get you into God's word to see what God's mission is for mankind. And along with that passage, there will be some questions that will help kind of frame your, your mindset to maybe understand what God's teaching you in that passage. With all of that, that, those are things that you can do in regards to being um, or seeing the impact of a missionary. I started all of this talking about how I will never forget my first mission trip. That mission trip was in 1995, and I would not go on another mission trip until 2001. Clearly, God and the Holy Spirit had done some work in me to change my mind, thankfully, because I'm standing here before you as a missions pastor. Um, not necessarily do I feel super qualified or the right person for the position at times, but, but God has put it on my heart to see people in all nations come to know Him. And so that first mission experience that I think impacted me negatively, there's reason for why that happened. And the Holy Spirit has revealed that to me over the years. And largely because when I went on that trip, I thought... I needed to bring something to these people who didn't know Jesus. Not just Jesus. There was some other bolt-on or some other thing, but that, that I, again, God's instrument that's irreplaceable, was going to bring something to this people group. And I had the wrong mindset. What, I, what God showed me was that it's not what you end up bringing them in your hands, what you have to offer there. That, none of that matters if what you're bringing here doesn't matter first. That if I'm going, if any of us are going on missions, whether local or global, 
If we're not right in our heart before God, it doesn't matter what we bring. So the impact of a missionary is when we act upon being obedient to God and allowing him to transform our heart to be that like his and be on his mission. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, again, you being unchanging and your truths being throughout history. Lord, we thank you that you invite us along with you to take part in your mission, your grand mission to see mankind be drawn back to you. Lord, may we be obedient to that call. May we um, surrender to whatever it is that you're asking of us to do and Take the joy in coming alongside you and witnessing the hope that you're bringing to people here in Strasburg, Bennett, Colorado, the United States, and throughout, Lord. Help us to glorify you as we come alongside you in your mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.